Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm Ken Hellenius, sitting in South Bend, Indiana, and across from me in the virtual studio is the man who, like Mikey, likes it, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. <laughs> How you doing, Ken? Let's get Mikey. Yeah. He won't need it. He hates everything. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. <laughs> good to be with you, man. It's good to be with you. Especially because, you know, we've been talking for a number of weeks now about the Lenten season and kind of discussing the um, the readings uh, each week. And we are coming down to the very end of Lent now. I mean, we're, we're coming up on, you know, the fifth week of Lent here. And, and, and that leads to uh, that leads to Palm Sunday and Holy Week. So we are really this has been a time of great grace. But at the same time, um, uh, it's been it's been, um, I hope, an opportunity of growth for each and every one of uh, each and every one of you. How about you? How has your Lent gone so far, Deacon? Yeah, good. Yeah, busy, you know. So, and uh, but it's been fulfilling, you know. I was like doing missions and the conferences is just you know typical for me this time of year. And you know, I try not. I try to do spend more time, extra time in adoration when I'm traveling, uh, yeah. Because it's just easy just to kind of put it in cruise control and kind of just okay. Here's another one. Here's another gig. Here's another talk. Here's you know, and I and I always want to make sure that that I'm growing spiritually myself. You know, um, that, that the talks are developing and growing and I'm gaining new insights into things. So I'm not just giving the same talk over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Although I have about yeah. 20, 22 or 23 different topics that I speak on. But, um, right. but yes, but, but that time before the Lord is uh, critically important for me personally, my own growth and development, uh, not just speaker, but as a, as a deacon, as a husband, as a father as well. Do you find yourself intentionally praying for the audience that you're going to be with? I do. Like I said, I've always think of myself as a touring musician and you see kind of the, the musicians huddled together and kind of getting themselves psyched up to go out on stage. Same thing. I have a prayer. I have a set of prayers that I do each and every time before I speak. Those do include for the prayers that the people are going to hear the message. That's awesome. It's intimidating to to walk out on the stage. I've got to imagine, especially. I mean, I've done it in front of small groups, but uh, but I mean, you're you're talking to to you. You spoke at Seek with uh, fifteen thousand of our close personal friends. Yeah, uh, back in Indianapolis. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Did you do? Did you work the main room? Did you have a side room? No, but, no. But I did, still, I that's did, a lot I did of people. Breakout. So I had about a thousand people. Uh, Holy in, cats. My, in the one breakout, and I can forget how many um, in the second one. But yeah. uh, but I've spoken in Philippines, twenty seven thousand people, uh, yeah. six thousand wow. people um, at the uh, Holy Fire, which is kind of the middle school version of Sikh in Chicago. I spoke to uh, ten thousand kids. So yeah, so it's uh, it, to me, it's 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 not scary. It's it's just like I feel before I walked on onto the wrestling mat when I was in high school. You know, you, get, yeah. you got the nervous, <laughs> nervous, nervous, you know, you get yourself psyched up and then you go out there and the ref blows the whistle, then bam, it's time to go to work. Then the nerves go away. It's, it's just, it's time to do what you are, you're supposed to do. And, and that's the way for. I feel too. I mean, I feel every talk, even if I'm just talking to 20 people or whatever, you know, I, I get that same kind of nervousness and that kind of nervous excitement. And then when they announce me and, you know, introduction, I go out, boom, it's time to go to work, you know, and, and that's just the, yeah. 
uh, I've kind of always had that way of, of uh, uh, getting myself ready and just going out there and doing what the Lord's called me to do. I remember the first time I ever met you, Deacon. You were still Mister uh, Brooks Sivers at the time. You were, you were, uh, we were working together at the University of Portland. I'd just arrived, and you came to speak about um, uh, to the residents' life staff about uh, security in the halls and things like that. And and I remember thinking at the end, I was like, "That is the most Baptist Catholic I've ever met in my life." <laughs> And I was like, this guy seems like a fella I would like to get to hang out with. I I get a lot of that, you know, oh, you sound like a Baptist preacher. So no, I sound like a Catholic who's in love with Jesus. That's what I sound like. There you go. Exactly. (laughs) I've never been Protestant. Some people think I'm a convert. And I'm in fact, I'm the first baptized Catholic in my family, you know, so my mom's a convert. I was baptized three weeks after I was born. You know, so, yeah, so I've never, wow. I mean, but I just love being Catholic. I just the passion and the enthusiasm, you know, comes across, I guess, as, yeah. a, as a, as Baptist, you know, but, but you got to listen to the content. It is fully, thoroughly, and unapologetically Catholic. Without doubt. Absolutely. You know, we've talked before about, you know, you have to use the talents that God provides because God is giving you skills and gifts. He gives them to each and every one of us. And there's, of course, the parable of the of the the talents that are given to the three servants and, and how, you know, some of them trade on those talents so that they can actually return even more to the Lord. And that's what we're all invited to do with the gifts that we are given and to put them at the service of the gospel, to be an evangelist. Uh, um, what a what a <laughs> what a challenge, uh, what an opportunity, what a responsibility, but also uh, uh, thank you for your joyful response and your joyful witness to to Christ, to invite people into a deeper relationship with Christ. And, and also, thanks for the opportunity to have this great conversation that we get to have every week together here on the radio and, of course, you know, behind the scenes. I mean, we should do a behind the scenes show sometime. People be like, how do they bring that to, to the air? You, Sorry, friends, you'd probably find it pretty boring. We're like, what are we talking about this week? Yeah. No, but... <laughs> Now, there's a little more to it than that, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, actually, I can't wait for the day that we finally get to show uh, producer John. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, with the new... Uh, the new studio. Yeah, you know, once that all comes online and, and all the kinks are worked out, maybe it'd be a YouTube thing, you know, right? Instead of just having us audio, there's, yeah, I, I yeah, think there's go. a possibility for YouTube. There is. There's going to be a lot of kinks in, in that process, though, but <laughs> it may happen one day. There he is. Don't hold your breath. Producer John. So if people yeah, want, actually want to see us, you yeah, know, they have I'm, to wait a little bit. Does that mean I'm going to have to wear pants? <laughs> <laughs> that's what, you know, that's the classic joke, right? No, yeah. that's fine. That's, that's awesome. And people will I'm see, wearing pants. For the record, I'm wearing pants yeah, right now. And people will see that I have a face for radio. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Long have we, long have we done this. So that's fun. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Well, Deacon, as I mentioned, uh, you know, as we as we kind of start out with this, uh, we have been talking about the um, the readings for each Sunday of Lent, and this coming Sunday's readings are for the fifth Sunday of Lent, uh, which takes place this year on the seventh of April. It's really so. Most of the readings throughout this Lent have the Gospels have been from the Gospel of Luke, and this week we actually have a Gospel that is from uh, from the Gospel of John. But uh, there are some other interesting readings too. Again, always three readings at Sunday Mass. Uh, 
okay, I say always, there is one year when we actually have four, uh, four read or one, one Sunday. And that's of course, Palm Sunday. We have a, a, an extra gospel. Uh, and then of course there's the Easter vigil. Okay. Usually there are three readings at Sunday mass. Let's just say that. <laughs> and, uh, our first and second reading this, uh, this weekend also, um, share a theme that is very interesting because it's not clearly the same theme as is found in the gospel story. So I just wanted to mention briefly that our first reading from Isaiah 43 gives a little preview of the Easter vigil because it says, you know, the Lord opens a pathway in the sea. Of course, we're going to hear about the reading uh, at the Easter vigil of the crossing of the Red Sea. When God's people crossed over out of the, the land of slavery to sin, into the freedom of God's uh, of God's leadership and guidance uh, by crossing through the Red Sea, um, but <clears throat> interestingly enough, the this passage continues with a hopeful message for our Lenten fast, uh, because Isaiah says, "Remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago. Consider not. See, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In the desert I make a way. In the wasteland rivers." We've been in this Lenten fast for the last, you know, four and a half, five weeks already. Uh, and it is, we are in the, the spiritual desert with Jesus uh, during our 40 days in this spiritual desert. God is making a way and he's uh, preparing springs for us. He's going to refresh us at Easter. So this is a preview, a little message of hope in our Lenten fast. We hear the same idea in the second reading. Paul's letter to the Philippians says, just one thing, Forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead, I continue my pursuit toward the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. So Paul says the same thing. Forget what's gone behind. Confess your sin. Leave it behind you and strain towards what lies ahead, which is salvation. That's what Paul is encouraging us to, just as the prophet Isaiah is as well in our first and second readings this weekend. Absolutely. And then uh, the gospel, of course, is one of the more, again, more popular ones that people are familiar with. Uh, the woman that was caught in adultery. And mm. uh, again, again, by leaving your sins behind and, and moving forward uh, is carried forward in, in this gospel uh, as well. Um, a couple interesting things to note. First of all, uh, th they brought her to Jesus in order to trap Jesus. Right. You see, because and here's what they're trying to do. So this is this, this woman was caught in adultery. What should we do now? And they're waiting for an answer because penalty was stoning to death for being caught in adultery. So if he right. says, yes, stone her, then he's contradicting himself because he's teaching forgiveness and mercy. If he says, don't stone her, then he can't be the Messiah because he's going against the law. So you got we got him. Finally, we've got him. And Jesus' response is very interesting. Usually when he gets, when they try to trap him like this, he does the rabbinical technique of, ask, of responding by asking another question, you know? Yeah. Not here. He bends down and starts writing on the ground. I, like, that was interesting. <laughs> and of course, we don't know. We don't know what he wrote. We don't know what he wrote. You know, some and people, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Some people, oh, he's writing down their sins or something like that. But here's what I think is going on. I, I think he wrote, where's the guy? 
<laughs> Why do I say that? Because if they're trying to get him on what the law says, if you look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, or Deuteronomy 22, verse 22, it says that both the, the woman and the man caught in adultery were stoned to death. It's equal opportunity stoning here, okay? Yeah, so, wow. So Jesus says, if you're going to try and get me on the law, then where's the guy? Because the law says both. She was caught with somebody. Where's he? Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, that's just my personal thing. The, you know, so yeah. th- that's no, just that's my that. personal term. What, he, what could be going on there? Whatever he wrote, it then causes them to recognize their own. Who he, then he stands up. He who was without f- the sin cast the first stone. Then he goes back down and starts drawing again. It's like, wow, you know, that uh, that's powerful. He who's without sin cast the first stone. Sometimes we act like that angry mob uh, uh-huh. in the gospel. We, 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 we put ourselves first and Christ second. You know, we're so focusing on ourselves or we're focusing on the sins of other people that we don't recognize the sin within ourselves. We always want to point the finger at what this person did or that person. I'll give you a good example. You know, I was talking to a woman once um, who had an abortion when she was younger. Wonderful woman, came, finally realized what happened, came back to faith, went, went to confession, confessed it. She said the priest was, she gave a beautiful confession to the priest. Absolutely, she was going to Project Rachel, all this stuff. But she was afraid to go back to church hmm. because she was afraid of how people were going to treat her. How are we going to look at her? Because I guess she has experienced something like that before. You know, she had been forgiven, had come back to the church, all that. But people are still, how could you kill your own baby? Yeah, I, what were you thinking? And I, of course, she feels bad if she feels guilty. Reconciled with the church, all of that. But people are still, what does Jesus say? Um, worry about the splinter of your brother's eye. The you got the log in your, your own eye. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, so that that's kind of what's going on here with this mob, you know, trying to trap Jesus. We're busy ourselves uh, with the seriousness of other people's sin while downplaying the gravity uh, of our own by rationalizing them away. We see things. Yeah, I cheated on my wife. But you know what? It's not like I'm leaving my kids. You know, so it wasn't that bad. You know, it's not like I raped her. I mean, she wanted, I am a man. She's a woman. We got needs. Come on. You know, we're both consenting adults. And we, we, you know, we try to rationalize. Or I stole some money from work. But you know what? They don't pay me enough to do this job anyway. You know, not like I robbed a bank. Yeah, or uh, yeah. I don't go to mass every Sunday. Uh, I'm a good person. It's not like I go a few times, you know. God, this guy, you know, it's not like I kill somebody, you know. I'm just missing mass here and there. What's the big deal? Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> and it's that's that what, bargaining. And that's yeah. what we do. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what we do. And, and and God wants us to move into deeper intimacy with him. But we're the ones preventing our own selves <laughs> from, from, from being where God wants us to be in that relationship. So... This was the mentality that the that the angry mad uh, mob had as they tried to to stone this woman who was basically you uh, uh, being used as a pawn to try to trick Jesus. Jesus, of course, is unfazed, doesn't apparently doesn't want to be bothered by their foolishness, and he invites the crowd to look within themselves, to examine their consciences, yeah. and to admit the hypocrisy of their self righteousness. We have to start. Doing, we're holding on to these stones, and Christ is inviting us during this time of Lent to let go of those stones and to really start looking at ourselves and not worrying about what other people have, not worrying about what other people 
Uh, like again, one of the, the sins is um, you know uh, envy, right? So jealousy is exactly. like I wish I had what Ken has. Envy is I wish Ken didn't have what he has. You see, right? Yeah, yeah. wishing wishing ill upon him, uh, upon your opponent, versus you know just wishing more for yourself. Yes, you know. Yes, yeah, that you uh, don't need. You don't necessarily need that you don't need. But you right, don't, but, exactly. But see, but there's a difference there. And Jesus is inviting us to take a look at those things within ourselves, and to let them go, you know. And so, yeah. at the end, the woman is standing before the one who is truly without sin, who is truly yeah. righteous, and he doesn't condemn her. He no. doesn't. That's the model for us. When when somebody comes back to faith, we should be celebrating. We talked about the. The prodigal son, how the father rejoiced. And Jesus is rejoicing in this woman here. He saves her life by saving her soul from death. And that's the the lesson for us. Going to that sacrament of reconciliation, experiencing the power of God's mercy in that sacrament, we save our soul and we and we save ourselves from death. I mean, death of being cut off from God's life. I mean, everybody's going to die physically. But being right. we won't be cut off from God's life and our souls will be saved when we turn back to Jesus. I'm reminded, so, uh, you know, reading this story, of course, I'm on Twitter, I'm on the social media. Of course, we have a, a, a um, Twitter feed as well of Catholic Stones. And how often the internet mob, the anonymous internet mob will pile upon a story, upon a news story, upon an individual within a news story and seek to take them down and destroy their lives completely. You know, this it happens so often. It happened earlier this year and, uh, after the March for Life. It happens, you know, so often that people are quick to condemn, especially in an anonymous setting where they think I can condemn, I can be the person, the anonymous person from the back of the, of the crowd throwing the stone, being the first one to throw a stone because nobody will pick me out, you know? And this happens because we don't see one another as others, brothers and sisters also loved equally by God. And we don't recognize and acknowledge the inherent human dignity of each and every person. Um, we just see them as an enemy, somebody to receive the two-minute hate, you know, whatever it may, may be. Um, and that is so prevalent in our society. And I think in some ways it is, you know, it's enabled by the screen that stands between me and interacting with others. It's much more difficult when you're standing face to face with the person. Yeah. And that's what I'm reminded of here is the woman stood face to face with Jesus after everyone else walked away. You know, she's standing face to face with him and, and he asks, has nobody condemned you? And, and she is waiting. She's like, ah, no, no one has. No one has condemned me. And to, to put yourself in her place and to realize that she still, she doesn't know what's going to take place in now that everyone else has walked away. She knows that this person in front of her, Jesus Christ, she knows that he has some sort of authority such that he could drive away an angry crowd. He could get them to walk away, not drive them away, but get them to walk away of their own volition. She doesn't know how this is going to end in that moment. And Jesus doesn't, you know, it's interesting. Jesus does not, um, he doesn't actually forgive her. He actually says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. You know, we don't hear him say, 
you are forgiven, but he expresses it through his actions. What he does say is, go and sin no more. And this, like our first and second reading, are this is that, see, I am doing something new. Continue your pursuit towards the goal is essentially what he's saying. The prize of God's upward calling restores her to walk on that path towards wholeness with the Lord. That's what he's doing. And so I find this to be such a uh, fascinating story. And, and, you know, and I, I love your insight that, you know, where's the guy? Um, but there's only one who's sinless, yes. right? Yep. I mean, we, of course, the Blessed Mother is by virtue of Jesus's, uh, Jesus's sacrifice on the cross, but she's not there, obviously. There's no one condemn her because we are all guilty. Am I the one who is quick to pile on, on on a Twitter mob? Am I the one who is quick to shout somebody down in a Facebook comment box? Am I somebody, as you say, holding a stone, waiting to throw it? That's the question that we're left to ask at the end of the day. And Jesus tells her to not sin again. So we have to modify our behavior. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 not like, you know, Jesus, OK, I'll just keep doing this because no matter what I do, Jesus is going to keep forgiving me over and over and over again. You know why? Because God is love. God just loves me so much. And yeah, I could cheat on my wife and I could rob a bank and I can steal from my employer because God loves me. He'll just forgive me because that's what he does. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> but, but God, but you got to remember, God tells her, don't, he, he doesn't just say, okay, you're forgiven. Like you said, he says, you need to change your behavior. You need to stop doing what you're doing. You know? So we, and that's a call for each and every one of us. You know, we really yep. need to examine. So that may mean some making some difficult choices, making some difficult decisions. There may be some people that you're around that are driving you towards certain behaviors, driving you towards certain sins. You need to maybe temporarily cut those people out of your life so you can mm-hmm. focus on your relationship with God. And if those, and those people can't respect you as you're journeying in this um, walking with the Lord and journeying toward heaven, if they can't walk alongside of you, then you may have to just kick them to the curb for a little bit, you know, until they can respect you, until they can see that you're serious. Um, yeah. that I'm not the same person I was when I was in college, you know, I mean, because we all grow and mature in our faith, you know, but right. sometimes we may have to make decisions to not place ourselves in a position like, like what she had to do. She had to go back and say, okay, don't do this again. So what do I have to change to make sure I am not in this position again? She had we to talk do, about. Yeah, yeah, she had to do the work. We talk about this uh, in confession, even in the in the act of contrition that that uh, you know one of the traditional ones that says I will uh, avoid uh, the occasions that lead me to sin. You know, mm. uh, you have to avoid the near occasion of sin going forward. That's part of repentance. That's part of being forgiven. Is saying okay. I don't want to do that ever again. I want to avoid that sin. So I'm going to avoid those situations that lead me to do that. I'm not going to, gosh, it could be as easy as I'm not going to to fire up my web browser after 9 p.m. because I know that that's where I tend to, that if I do that, then I'm going to, you know, find myself looking at pornography or something. Or I'm not going to, you know, drive down this path on the way home because it takes me past a restaurant that I'm going to go and gorge myself in and I've already had enough food to eat for today so I don't want to commit the sin of gluttony. Whatever it may be. Um, we have to avoid the occasions that lead us to sin so that we can cooperate with the grace that God offers us. 
So we have to actually cooperate by not leading ourselves into temptation. And that's the key to the power of the sacraments is cooperating with the grace. It's not magic. You know, you don't, you don't receive the Eucharist all of a it's sudden. It's hard work. Oh, I'm changed. Oh, yeah. the Eucharist is going to change. No, you have to want to change. And God yeah. gives you the grace when you cooperate to say, yes, I am with you in this journey. Yes, I am with you in this struggle. Yes, I am with you in this depression. I'm with you in this, this moment of temptation or anger, whatever it is. You know, but we have to say yes to what God wants to do in order to have power in our life. The other thing this reminds me of is looking forward to Revelation. You know, Christ our Lord is the bridegroom who stands before his bride and the church is this woman is the bride. And God is the spouse who sacrifices life for his bride and deserves all the love that we can give. But sometimes we're like we're like the woman. We cheat. We cheat on our yep. Lord and the, and the promises that we made. You know, we become uh, prostitutes of a culture that looks us in the face and lies to us and tries to convince us we can do no wrong. And we, and we turn ourselves away from Christ and he's calling us to back to life, back to life again. Yeah. And we all, I, somebody made fun of me the other day in a meeting because I said, all we have to do is cooperate with, with grace. And, and I realized that sounds facile. That sounds like it's just, just cooperate. You'll be fine. And it does, it is hard work because it does require it requires subduction of our desires. It requires, you know, putting things back into right order so that we understand that we are children of a loving father who wants us to be holy, who wants us to be holy as he is holy. And so to say we just have to cooperate with grace is not to say it's going to be easy. Right. But it is to say that yeah. God wants us to and he will give us the gifts we need. And we have to ask for them. And then we have to act in accordance with the grace that we have received. We have to thank God for that and continue to embrace and practice uh, our life of faith uh, in grace. That's right. So go and sin no more. That's, that's the message. That's the go takeaway. Go and sin no more. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Cooperate with that grace. Absolutely. Well, we've come to the end of our conversation for this evening, Deacon. Um, but guess what? This is show number 199. And so next week when we get together and uh, we're going to discuss, of course, the readings for Palm Sunday, but we also are going to have the, uh, we're going to kill the fatted calf. We're going to have new robes. We're going to have rings. We're going to have sandals. <laughs> we're going to be, it's going to be a glorious celebration for show 200. So I'm really excited to be celebrating this uh, with you, Deacon. Uh, it's hard to believe that we've gotten to a to show 200 and um so that's gonna be a lot of fun but until then folks you can download all 199 previous episodes by going to <laughs> materdeiradio.com you can connect with us on facebook we are living stones on Mater Dei radio and if you're on twitter just go to at catholic stones uh but until we gather again next week, Deacon, before we gather for show 200, may we have a blessing. <laughs> may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.